Today on Not Sam Wrestling, we are hours removed from one of the most memorable WrestleManias of all time. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Oh, baby, coming to you. This is this is how you know Not Sam Wrestling was important on a day like today. I, I, I knew coming off of that WrestleMania, I'm going to pretend like I'm doing this for you in the sense that I knew that, okay, Monday morning you need to have your Not Sam fill, but the fact is, as always, it's immediately after a pay-per-view and plan as I might to, uh, maybe, maybe tomorrow afternoon, maybe later in the day, I'll just post it late. There is way too much on my mind that I have to throw up into this for you to listen to, to wait. I literally called the people at the comedy store and I said, you have to open your studio tonight because the unthinkable has happened. I was right. Yeah, look. It happens, and it happened again. So um, I've been saying on this show for, I mean, it's definitely been weeks, but probably months, justifying that Roman Reigns should retain against Cody Rhodes. You know, I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was forecasted a year ago today, really. I mean, not to the day, but last year, the Raw after WrestleMania is when Cody started talking about coming back and winning the championship. It was like, people people assumed it might have been written into his contract that he was contractually obligated next year at WrestleMania to win the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship and that he was going to do it for Dusty and then he's talking about Dusty. You remember the commercials for Money in the Bank? Mysteriously, on the commercials, Cody goes... And the winner of Money in the Bank gets to cash in at WrestleMania. And everybody goes, is that, when did Money in the Bank change? That was never a thing. But we go, oh, so clearly, like every person that makes every basic wrestling prediction went, here's what I think will happen. Cody will win the Money in the Bank and then go to WrestleMania and win the title. And it's like, oh yeah, you really thought about that, huh? Have you been watching? It must be decades that you've been watching this stuff. And then the unthinkable really did happen. Going into Hell in a Cell, Cody Rhodes tears his pecs so badly that it's visible all down his right arm. He has this incredible Hell in a Cell match with Seth Rollins. He puts on a performance that's so memorable that Mattel debuted an action figure with the battle-damaged peck and arm at, at WrestleMania a couple days ago. And he beat Seth. He beat Seth Rollins three pay-per-views in a row, one with one arm, to prove that he's the greatest thing that's ever happened to professional wrestling. But he disappears for six months. He's got he's to repair his peck. And so then everybody's plan for money in the bank went out the window. But the minute, the minute he tore his peck, Everybody on my Twitter timeline, every wrestling fan I know, became a doctor. And they said the time it takes to fix a torn pec is when Cody can come back for the Royal Rumble. 
And I said, what part of the body is the pec? And they said, I don't know. I just know that the time it takes to repair will have Cody back in the Royal Rumble. So all the predictions shifted, and it became Cody is coming back to the Royal Rumble. And then when it gets announced six months later that Cody is coming back to the Royal Rumble, people go, why wouldn't they let that be a surprise? Look, nobody, it's not a surprise if everybody already knows it's going to happen. So they announced it because we all knew it was going to happen. And we all had ideas, right, of how the Royal Rumble could go. But I think all of them somehow ended with Cody winning the Royal Rumble. We did, I thought he would come in at one, I think, was what my idea was for the Rumble. But he comes in at 30. He's the only guy. I was having a conversation about this with somebody. Cody Rhodes had pyro at the Royal Rumble. Do you understand coming into the Royal Rumble match with Pyro? I guess did I, maybe Edge had it when he returned. But Cody, and then people go this too. Well, yeah, in his contract, it says he gets Pyro for every entrance. He gets to win the title at WrestleMania. He gets to, and everybody's okay with this. So he wins the Royal Rumble. And everybody goes, well, of course, that's because he's going to beat Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. The whole thing is to beat Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. The hottest storyline in recent memory happens with Sami Zayn. And every conversation about that story is, yeah, but we got to finish this up because Cody Rhodes is going to beat Roman Reigns for the title at WrestleMania. We all heard it. And I was sitting here on the podcast and I was saying, look, I think Roman Reigns should retain the title. People are going... I mean, that's, you're going to disappoint all the fans. You're telling this story with a clear-cut, happy ending. I saw some people tonight, I'm recording this, as I said, right after WrestleMania. I saw some people tonight that were like, I don't understand how they could have missed this thing that was right in front of their face. As if they didn't realize this was a possibility. Oh, we never thought Cody could win and everybody would be happy. Of course they knew it was a choice that was made. And I think, like, for me, in my mind, in the weeks building up to WrestleMania, I said that Roman should retain because we haven't actually gotten that year-long build from Cody. The romanticized build to Cody returning to the WWE, uh, proving himself right and all of his naysayers wrong— and quote-unquote finishing the story, the story was a 12-month story. We missed half of it. We have Cody going into WrestleMania, a hero that has never fallen. Even when he was injured, he, 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 he beat Seth Rollins, who's like the greatest wrestler on the planet Earth. So I felt like because there had really been no redemption. And people go, well, of course this is a redemption story. On the grand scheme of things, you have Cody, you know, who, who had to leave WWE to prove his worth and his whole run in, in, on the indies and then Ring of Honor and AEW. This is all part of the story. And while, yeah, it is, you still have to sit there and 12, to, uh, tell the story. Like, it's not, it, it's not enough for Cody to just have this resume. So I had said that I thought Roman should win because Cody, when he has his moment, should be fighting from underneath. He should be fighting to prove something. If he beats Roman at WrestleMania, he's just won all the matches. He's won 
every match he's ever had in WWE since coming back. Every pay-per-view, three in a row against Seth, Royal Rumble match, every match he's had on SmackDown or Raw, he wins them all. And then he goes to the Royal Rumble and he beats Roman Reigns. When people realize that Roman Reigns was a good guy and he was just going to win every match because WWE had decided he's the guy, they booed him. Before that, when John Cena was Super Cena and he was winning every match, people booed him. I felt like Cody Rhodes inevitably would turn into a villain pretty quick, right? You'd have this moment, and that's what people are really focused on, I feel like, these days, these these moments. And I think the question is, what's more important, the story or the moment? Now, as we got closer to WrestleMania, I was sitting there going like, yeah, but I'm pretty sure Cody's going to win, right? Anybody that saw me in Los Angeles all week, that was the question, by the way, which is a real good sign. Who's going to win this thing, Roman Reigns or Cody Rhodes? I said, man... I never want to see Roman lose, but probably Cody Rhodes. I mean, this is this is kind of where WWE's at. And I felt that even more after night one. Because I think that what made WrestleMania night one so incredible was start to finish, it was fan service. We'll go over that whole show. But beginning to end, match by match, it was maybe except for the first match, Fan service, fan service, fan service. End with the big moment. Leave with a smile on your face. For night two, for the most part, it was fan service. Leave with a smile on your face. And then, boom, the other shoe drops. We've got these amazing entrances. Cody comes out with all the pyro in the world. And he gives his weight belt to negative one in one of the most poetic moments you could possibly see at a WrestleMania. And then, and he's got all, I mean, it's amazing. And then Roman comes out and he's got pianos on the stage and all the, 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 the pomp and circumstance of the biggest star that the industry has ever seen as Roman Reigns walks to the ring. And Cody and Roman had an incredible WrestleMania match. Before the result had happened, people were on the edge of their seat. People were on the edge of their seat, whether they were watching on Peacock or whether they were in SoFi Stadium. I mean, those near falls all counted. The, the artful way Solo Sokoa got away with the chair shot earlier in the match. But then when he hit Cody with the weight belt and the referee heard it, he got ejected, right? He got a little too confident. He got a little too comfortable. Now Solo Sokoa's gone. You know, the moment that you had the Usos come out and it felt so familiar. Referee takes a bump. Usos interfere. The bloodline has that numbers advantage that can't be beat. And Roman Reigns retains the title again. Except this time, here come the new undisputed tag team champions of the world, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. And you get this feeling like, oh, things are different in the WWE right now. Things have changed. The, the, the odds have been even. Now the bloodline doesn't have this control over the promotion because Cody Rhodes, Sami Zayn, and Kevin Owens have figured out that the strength in numbers things, it, well, it works on both sides. But once KO and Sami Zayn had taken out the Usos, that's done. 
except just because a referee banned Solo doesn't mean he's gone. And I mean, they set up a finish to the match that was so like it was. It it seemed like we're getting our storybook ending, and then we just didn't because Solo out of nowhere shows up and summons the spirits of Umaga and just delivers that Samoan spike right into the neck of Cody Rhodes as Roman Reigns is able to cover him and pin him. Dude, pin him for one, two, three. I could not, I said no way. There was this moment where you're like, I think this could be it, but no way. And then it was it. And I mean, it rained booze on Roman Reigns. Twitter would not stop talking. I saw so many memes. Did you really think Triple H forgot that you smashed the throne, Cody? Did you really? I saw one great one where Cody, it's that it's the it's the photo of Cody in the ring looking disappointed and Roman is victorious in the aisle. Except instead of Roman looking victorious in the aisle, it's like a foggy memory of Cody smashing the throne because this is Triple H's great revenge exacted upon Cody Rhodes. I love it. I love it. Anytime you get something happening in the wrestling world where the memes just start firing off, it's great. JR cursing out Triple H. You bastard! (laughs) It's, It's just, it's fantastic. I love it. Wrestling is supposed to drag an emotion out of you, and sometimes it's an emotion that's unpleasant. Look, the last time that I remember a WrestleMania match having a result that was this heartbreaking, I'm not going to say polarizing. I think polarizing is a cop-out term. Polarizing is what they used to say about John Cena when they didn't want to admit that everybody was booing him. Polarizing means we want them to cheer, but they're booing. That's not what this is. This was the bad guy winning. People got their hearts broken. And I think the last time there was a moment that was like this, where it was like, oh, like you couldn't believe, like they would never do this to me. They, what, what were they thinking? Was when Brock Lesnar beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania 30. It was just one of those moments that's unforgettable. Some people still think that Brock Lesnar beating The Undertaker at WrestleMania 30 was a mistake. The Undertaker, I think, has done interviews since saying he doesn't really think Brock needed to beat him. But as anybody that's listened to this podcast knows, I don't agree with that. I think that if you look at Brock Lesnar before he beat The Undertaker and after he beat The Undertaker, it's a totally different story. Brock Lesnar beats The Undertaker at WrestleMania and then squashes Cena the SummerSlam after WrestleMania 30. And we now have the Brock that we saw at this year's WrestleMania, where no matter what match he's in, there's at least a 50% chance that he's going to win, even when he's with Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is one of those guys who never loses. But when Brock Lesnar's in there with him, it's never unfathomable that Brock Lesnar is going to win. And the reason for that is because he beat The Undertaker. He beat The Streak. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it legitimized an already legitimate threat beyond anything that... I think the WWE has seen sense. Now we're at this point with Roman and it is different. People kind of complain that it's the same, but it's different. And the reason that it's different is because Roman has won every match. This isn't the first Roman heartbreak. 
People really felt that energy in Cardiff. And they thought at Clash at the Castle, Drew would have his night. Even if Roman was going to take the title back on SmackDown, Drew will have his night. No, he won't. I don't care who's at ringside. I don't care who Tyson Fury wants to karaoke with at the end of the show. Roman's leaving strapped up. And then we get to Montreal. And I'm even on here. I got a video on the YouTube channel where I'm like, yeah, I think Sammy should have won. I should think Sammy should have won because I'm a fan. We should think that the good guy should have won, but the good guy ain't winning because Roman Reigns is the champion. And even after Roman broke our hearts with Sammy and he broke our hearts with Drew, we saw him beat Brock Lesnar twice. We saw him beat in a last man standing match. We saw him beat John Cena. We saw him stack Edge and Daniel Bryan on top of each other. And somehow, still, over 900 days into the rain, we go to WrestleMania thinking, I don't know, I, th I think Roman's going to lose this one. And you could say, no, I knew Roman was going to win. If you knew Roman was going to win, you wouldn't be this mad. Right, The only reason that people reacted the way they reacted is because we all thought there was at least a 50% chance that Cody Rhodes was going to beat Roman Reigns. And so where are they going after this? I don't know. I mean, I have confidence that they're not doing stuff with Roman willy-nilly. You know, I mean, maybe they are. Maybe they just decided <laughs> on Sunday afternoon, yo, Cody, you're not going over. And he was like, I've been, what? I've been talking about my dad this entire time. What do you mean I'm not going over? Of course I'm going over. We've been telling this story. That's not the story we've been telling. Nope. By the way, thanks for smashing the throne. I don't know how it happened. I do wonder if Tony Khan was like texting MJF going, hey, Max, you sure? Hmm? You sure? You still want to move to Stanford? I am confident in the fact that they're not messing around with the Roman Reigns character. I mean... There is a lot of good storytelling going on right now, and you can have your favorite story, but there hasn't been a story as good as the bloodline as a whole in years and years and years, and it's in the conversation for best storyline ever. The fact that in the modern era of WWE, we can tell a story with a set of characters that lasts well over two years at this point is insane. And so there's clearly a place that these people are going. I also think that a huge investment was made in Cody Rhodes. An incredible investment, not just financially. Like Clearly they paid this guy a lot of money, right? He's walking around in these suits. They're not paying for themselves. He's got a bus. I'm assuming he's flying private because I never seen him in a commercial cabin. They don't do that without intention. Right, They're not going to squander their investment. And beyond the financial, they have spent all this time making you believe that Cody could be the guy. There's a reason that we all thought Cody was going to win, and it's because that's what the story on television dictated. I don't think that they told that whole story just so Cody Rhodes could, you know, main event, main event next week. But maybe, I don't know, stranger things have happened. I think, uh, I think there's a direction here. I think we're going to continue to go someplace. And you could say, look, I'm over Roman. And a lot of people are. Well, they say that anyway. But I think 
when Roman stacked Edge and Daniel Bryan on top of each other and pinned them at WrestleMania 36, or 37, I guess, 37, right? Yeah, 36 was the performance center, so 37. When he did that, if I had told you, yeah, he's just going to keep doing that for two years, you'd be like, what? I don't want to see that. Except they sold 80,000 seats a night. 160,000 tickets were purchased to see just that. Except I had two tickets on night one. So minus one. But still, 160,000 or so tickets. LA was a buzz overseeing just that. So there's nothing historically that would dictate that this isn't going to work. So what could happen? Where is this going to go? Where should it go? And I don't know, dude. This just happened, okay? So I've been thinking about it, and it's like, you know, I don't think you can possibly do a Cody Roman return match immediately, certainly. I don't think you can go to WrestleMania Backlash and do Roman versus Cody again. It might happen. How hilarious would it be if they repeated the Seth Rollins thing, except Roman beat Cody three times in a row. <laughs> and it's just like, what do we, what was all that about? What was all the stuff before where Cody Rhodes was the man? Hey guys, sorry for the interruption, but look, maybe you have a, you, you have a, you have a man cave. Maybe you have a bachelor pad. Maybe you just have an apartment and you like to put up your posters and your decorations. It should still be classy. Okay. It doesn't have to look like trash. You don't have to give up the things that you're passionate about. You don't have to give up your hobbies, but you can at least look like you have taste. Thanks to the fine folks at Displate. Yeah, Displate. It's the coolest artwork printed on a metal poster that only takes 20 seconds to install. What you do is you place the magnetic sticker on your wall and you hang your Displate. It's just that easy. I got some. I got one that looks like a, a cool wrestling video game that I can just put up if I want to take it down. I can put up uh, uh, one of the posters that they have licenses for, whatever I want. They got Star Trek. They got Lord of the Rings. They got Call of Duty. There's a display for whatever you're into. So click the link in my description to see some of my favorites and get your ready-to-hang piece of art. You can save 27% if you buy one or two, and you can get 34% off when you buy three or more, the discount will be automatically applied to your cart when you click my link. Use code NOTSAM when you visit Displate.com to get that discount. That's Displate.com, code NOTSAM. D-I-S-P-L-A-T-E.com, code NOTSAM, or click the link in our show notes, Displate.com, code NOTSAM. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show 
by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. No, I think uh, I think you have to separate them. Um, and, 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 you know, people go, well, now Roman can get to 1,000. That's what this is about, right? So... Roman will, Roman will get to 1,000 and, and then. So SummerSlam is when he'll lose the title. SummerSlam. Or some go like, or he'll lose the title. Maybe he'll lose the title on the Raw after WrestleMania. And maybe he will. Maybe Cody comes out Raw after WrestleMania and gets the title. Now, if Cody wins the Raw after WrestleMania, then I do question, why not just have the moment at WrestleMania? But I guess if you want that USA Network pop, you can get it. I don't think that's where it's going. But I also don't think, I'm not, I'm not prepared to sit here and tell you that that they're just going to keep the title on him till SummerSlam? Do you sacrifice an incredible heroic WrestleMania moment because you're fixated on the idea of a thousand days? I don't think so. I don't. I. I mean. I. I just. If. If. If it's just about getting to the thousand days for the sake of getting to the thousand days, I think. Because before Roman had this title, if I asked the average WWE fan, who's the last champion to hold the title for a thousand days, they go, oh, nobody. I mean, it's not a thing people really think about. Those aren't those, those types of records because they're so seldom broken. I don't think are things that people really think about. But if I asked you what was your favorite WrestleMania moment, they would tell you. I don't think you sacrifice a WrestleMania moment just to get to the thousand day marker, or at least I don't think you should. I think it's about the story and the idea that that no matter what, no matter what is in front of Roman, he's going to plow through. I think by Roman, Roman beating Cody is, I mean, in this, in, as I'm talking to you today, I think more comparable to Brock beating The Undertaker than, say, like the finger poke of doom or some like terrible booking decision. It's a controversial booking decision. It's a booking decision that I would understand why people would object to, but I don't think it's a it's a ignorant booking decision because I think now you've gotten Roman to a place where even if you think you understand the story and even if you're going, hey, the reason they're doing this is because Roman's going to lose here. or You can't say it anymore. As of today, there is no scenario where you can say, well, yeah, clearly Roman's going to lose the title tonight. It will never happen. Because if it didn't happen tonight, and it didn't happen in Montreal, and it didn't happen in Cardiff, it's not going to happen until it happens. And when it does happen to whomever it might happen to, Oh, will the people lose their minds? Now, who wins the title? I don't know. I would, I mean, right now, there isn't a better pick than Cody in my mind. I don't think you put the title on The Rock, for example. I don't, and that's another thing. People go like this. Well, if he's not losing tonight, I guess he's going to keep it for another year. But that's again, I mean, putting the cart before the horse in a big way. To me, I do feel like you have to change things up. I don't think you can just continue to have this bloodline faction the way it's been. I think that you just have to tell the next evolution in this story. I think people assumed that the next chapter, and I was maybe one of them, 
assumed that the next chapter would center around Cody being the champion, but it ain't. I still think you have to get to the next chapter. Um, there is a natural thing with Solo and Cody, of course, and maybe that's what you're looking at for WrestleMania Backlash, a situation where it's uh, Solo Sokoa versus Cody Rhodes. It's possible Solo Sokoa lost. to It's the only defeat that Solo's had. Cody Rhodes beat Solo Sokoa on Raw, but Solo Sokoa then at WrestleMania proved that his finish was strong enough that it cost Rody, Cody Rhodes, Rody Codes, Cody Rhodes, his whole story. He couldn't finish the story. So, yeah, that's something. But a big part of me is almost like I'm, I'm ready to see Cody rebuild. That's what I said from the beginning when I, when I, when I pitched this idea of, of, of Cody losing. It's that I, as a fan, want a redemption story that I can really get behind Cody for, a real redemption story where I'm seeing him go, you know what? Not everything was handed to me. Not everything was as easy as I thought it would be. He, you know, I, I, I want to see Cody's whole thing is about being undeniable and doing the work. But if you win every single match, you know, when a billionaire is like telling you, yeah, man, all you have to do is save your money. It's like, well, you got money. <laughs> Who are you talking to? When you win every time you're in the ring, and you're going like, yeah, just do the work. It's like, well, that seems easy for you. For me, for the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts, I would probably lose every match, no matter how much work I did, because I'm not athletically inclined. So I think the idea that, like, if the message is do the work, I want to see Cody do the work. I want to see him have to fight from beneath. Um, I think, because I also, as much as I said, Roman, it, it'd be great if Roman retained the title, I also say you have the potential to have the bloodline lose everything and the Judgment Day gain everything at WrestleMania, and that absolutely did not happen. Rhea Ripley won the title, but Rhea Ripley won the title in such a in such a giant way that it was almost like she outgrew the bloodline because Dom lost and uh, and uh, uh, Finn Balor lost. The bloodline still reigns supreme in my eyes, uh, but I think. The thing that interests me is the idea that Austin Theory beat John Cena. Opening match, night one, Austin Theory pinned John Cena's shoulders to the mat. And while, yeah, he used a low blow, the idea that John Cena wouldn't be prepared for a villain like Austin Theory to lose, use a low blow is laughable. Austin Theory still gets all the credit in the world for that as far as I'm concerned. So... Austin Theory shows up to Monday Night Raw now saying he beat John Cena. He beat the GOAT. And you know who couldn't beat their greatest threat? Cody Rhodes. You know, I, I think that, that a rivalry between Austin Theory and Cody Rhodes may elevate both people. And I think that Cody Rhodes having a run as the United States champion on his road to redemption would probably be a good thing. The title already matches his gear and it would elevate the title as he went. You know, I think uh, uh, that that would be something where it's like, okay, we're watching Cody take steps. That's kind of where I think I would take Cody. Roman? 
because that's the big question too. It's not just what do you do with Cody now that he's lost and there's no getting around the fact that that story ain't finished. But with Roman, it's like this is a guy who has dominated every opponent now. And he finally had an opponent that was probably going to win and that opponent lost. So where can you go with Roman? And I had this thought when it was in the context of Roman not being the champion. But I think it could work still with him as champion. I think that when you look at what happened at WrestleMania, Solo Sokoa was the most valuable member of the bloodline outside the ring. Paul Heyman, the second most valuable member of the bloodline outside the ring. The Usos didn't get the job done. When I say the next chapter in the bloodline, maybe it's time for the Usos to be thrown out. Maybe it's time that the bloodline is simply Roman, Solo, and Paul Heyman. I think eventually, at some point, and I don't know what point it'll be, Roman is going to be a babyface. He's going to be a good guy. And Solo Sokoa is being completely curated to be that villainous opponent for Roman Reigns. I think that when that does happen, the best way to get there is to now establish that that's the connection, right? And you can tell that story at first. The same way we were like, what side is Jey Uso on when it comes to the bloodline? If the Usos and Roman Reigns are in a rivalry, what side is Solo Sokoa on? And is he on the side of his real brothers, Jimmy and Jay? Or is he on the side of the tribal chief who he has completely pledged loyalty to? I don't know. And we figure it out, and then we realize he's on the side of the tribal chief. And we end up with, like, Roman and Solo versus the Usos, which will bring us to the match that we've been wanting to see in front of a crowd for a very long time. The match that I think a lot of people were hoping the Sammy rivalry would kind of lead us to, Roman versus Jay. I feel like whether, I wouldn't be surprised if Roman doesn't even wrestle at WrestleMania Backlash, but whether it happens at Money in the Bank or wherever it happens, I think now is kind of the perfect time to revisit Roman versus Jay. We haven't seen it in front of a crowd, and we haven't seen it since Jay has become even more of a superstar than he was when he first became main event Jay Uso. I think the idea of Jimmy in the corner of Jay versus Roman with Solo in his corner is pretty damn compelling. And it's something where, is Jay going to win the title against Roman? No, but you can believe it. You can believe that this is something that we've been waiting for, and maybe, maybe. So off the top of my head, that's the short term of where I'd go. I'm not going to field questions about when should Roman lose the title because I think it's time for us to take that out of our vocabulary. I don't, I think it's time for us to just simply stop asking because it's not going to happen until it happens. And the idea that any of us can see where this story is going has been proven to be uh, totally and utterly false. As far as the rest of WrestleMania went, I mean, here's the other thing. 
people were kind of critical because WrestleMania ended on such this this disappointing note, on this note that left fans so bummed out. But the reality is that you had an entire night of fan service. You had your moment. You had your not only did you have your your moment of heroism when Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens won the tag team championship, but you got it again when Sammy interfered. Sammy put the Haluva kick on Roman. It wasn't enough to put him away. He's a tribal chief, but we still had that moment in the main event of night two. But main event of night one was all flowers and candy and butterflies. There was there was nothing, and I think that's why everybody leaving night one, I mean, it was comparable to last year. And last year, Stone Cold Steve Austin was in the main event. Night one had everybody leaving, like remembering why they loved professional wrestling to begin with. Night one was this joyous celebration of everything that is WWE. You know night one was good. Because Hot Dog was trying to get scalp tickets for night two. But he said, don't worry, fam. I'm going to get them right before the show starts because that's when they get cheap. But night one was so good that everybody in L.A. was like, me too, fam. And then they never got cheap. They sold out night two. Tickets never got cheap. Right, Hot Dog? Yeah, he's saying yes. He went to In-N-Out. He didn't even go to WrestleMania night two. I did. It was great. But but that's how good night one was. I I can't imagine. Like, I'll bet that, that Superstore sales are probably not going to be... This will probably be one of the slower nights for Superstore sales. I'll bet night one was great. I'll bet Saturday night they were just moving merch. Hand over fist. Selling those new tag team champions t-shirts, those new women's champion t-shirts. Everybody loved everything. I mean, the Austin Theory John Cena thing was the one, as I said earlier, moment that people were like, I don't know about that. But if you've got John Cena available for Monday Night Raw, he should beat Austin Theory. I'm going to take a wild guess that the reason that John Cena and Austin Theory opened up night one of WrestleMania is because by match three, John Cena was on a plane. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take a wild guess here that John Cena ain't going to be seen on WWE TV for quite some time. And if you're not going to have John Cena on WWE TV for quite some time, Austin Theory needs to kick him in the dick and pin him. That's all you can do. And he did. And now we're going somewhere with Austin Theory. But everything else, I mean, the tag showcase, everybody was sleeping on this tag showcase, and it was incredible. You had, you had multiple moments from uh, the, the Viking Raider. Uh, it was a missed moonsault, but it was a moonsault nonetheless, a spectacle of all spectacles. This ricochet jumping off the top rope and just hanging out in midair for about 28 seconds. I've never seen anything like that before. Braun Strowman doing a couple laps around the ring. I mean, it was, it was like the, such a fun, fun match. It was everything that that match could have been. Street Profits won. I kind of thought that Ricochet and, and Braun would win because I feel like, I mean, you know, people tease Braun Strowman, but that Ricochet-Braun Strowman team is getting over. You had, uh, uh, again, I mean, just fun. Rollins versus Logan Paul was just a fun match. 
Logan Paul was was coming down from the from the ceiling. Hot Dog described him as an angel from heaven, which I think was a little bit of an exaggeration, but Hot Dog loves him some Logan Paul. He's coming out to the ring with that prime bottle that was dancing as he went. It was just like the fact that they're leaning in so hard to the natural douchebaggery of Logan Paul is is beautiful. That's what you should be doing. The idea that anybody's going to be like, man, Logan Paul seems like a great guy is it's just not going to happen. You're never going to get there. But the idea that Logan Paul is like the type of guy that hand glides down from the ceiling and makes his friend dress up in a bottle of his soda or whatever, that that's who Logan Paul is. So we get this Seth Rollins, Logan Paul match. And of course it's great, right? Seth Rollins is one of the greatest of all time. And Triple H ain't wrong when he says Logan Paul has no business being as good as he is. That's the infuri- That's the real infuriating thing about Logan Paul is that he's just this hateable guy. And then he goes in and he's like super good at this stuff. And you're like, I wish, I wish I could sit there and go, he has no business being here, but he has all the business being here. But, you know, the, K- the KSI being the one that was in the bottle and everything, just the, the, the fusion of these massive, Social media stars being a part of WrestleMania, I think, is great. I mean, you know, the the women's six-person tag, Trish and Lita being in there is great. Good guys win. Everybody's going to feel good. I almost feel like, and of course the biggest match of the weekend, Cody versus Roman. This is the match everybody's going to be talking about forever. But spiritually, my main event was Ray versus Dom. I just, Ray versus Dom. Dom coming to the ring. When those big papa pump holler, if you hear me, police sirens started going off. I said to Hot Dog, I said, I hope he comes to the ring in a police car in the back of it. And here comes this police car. I go, beautiful. And Dom gets out. He's handcuffed. I'm like, is Dom, was he still in jail? When he went to jail, was he under some kind of like a, like a house arrest situation? I don't, I don't understand. Because I think he just did one night in lockup. But for some reason, is still in custody today. I don't. It doesn't matter because it was great. He had his Rey Mysterio mask on, very mockingly. Rey coming out in the low rider with Snoop Dogg, and then Eddie Guerrero's music, and then the Rey music. I mean, what a weekend for Rey Mysterio! And the minute that I saw Bad Bunny on commentary, I said, "Okay, Benito's back. We know we're going to Puerto Rico for Backlash." I would imagine. I think that that once we realized that it wasn't going to be Ray's last match. If this was Ray's retirement match, then 100% Dom should win. But if it's not, I was incredibly happy with the way everything went and the outcome. And the reason I was happy is because I'm sitting there going, this Ray versus Dom thing has been so good. And Dom is finally over. What more can you possibly do with the kid? How do you go after the Ray thing? What's big enough that he's still going to be that guy? And the answer is Bad Bunny. Yeah, yeah, that's big enough. And it'll also be a good test for Dominic. Is Dominic in the position where he can have a great match with Bad Bunny? I want to see. But I'm, I would imagine it's possible that, that we're either going to see, we could see like Dom and Damian Priest versus Ray and Bad Bunny. I think that we're, which would then cure the problem of the singles match. But I really just want to see Dom versus Bad Bunny. I want the world for Dominic. 
I think I just love everything about Prison Dom. I want the world for him. I want there to be a singles match with Bad Bunny. I think that WrestleMania Backlash is already pretty much sold out. So I don't know if there would be any value in having Bad Bunny actually wrestle at that show. If you've already sold out the show based on him being the host, I feel like it makes more sense to try to get him for another gig and actually have him wrestle. Like, see if you can hold off the Bad Bunny match until SummerSlam when you got to fill, fill up a stadium in Detroit. That would, for me, be the move. Or move Backlash into a stadium in Puerto Rico and have Bad Bunny wrestle because you will sell out that stadium. But that, it was... Looking back, in terms of just stuff that made me happy as a fan, Ray versus Dom might have been my favorite. Um, court, I mean, I love Rhea versus Charlotte. Classic women's match. Awesome. The right person won. Great, 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 great. Just, again, fan service. Everybody feeling good. Uh, if you recall, here on this podcast, I said there's probably going to be some segment with The Miz Pat McAfee might make a surprise appearance. I doubt he'll do commentary. And my thing, my prediction was that if I were WWE, I'd have Pat McAfee come out and knock out The Miz. I didn't realize they were going to make it a full-fledged match. I also didn't realize George Kittle was going to be involved, but I was pretty happy about George Kittle being involved. And boom, uh, down goes The Miz. But great use of Pat McAfee. That's what he should be used for. Pat McAfee's star has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. He's one of the top names now in sports media. At first, he was making the type of money where he was signing $100 million deals. Now he's making the type of money where he's trying to get out of the $100 million deals. Do you have any idea how much money that you have to make when you're trying to get out of a $100 million deal? That's the space that Pat McAfee is in. I think he should be treated like a massive star who it's like, oh my God, like this way Logan Paul, there's this vibe whenever Logan Paul's around, it's almost like we're so lucky to have a star of this magnitude in our presence. That's the treatment Pat McAfee should get. I wish he was on SmackDown every week. He's a great commentator. I love Wade Barrett too. But just in terms of sheer value, I almost feel like not having, having Pat just come out and do these surprise shots puts him on that higher pedestal. And I really, really like that for Pat. And then, of course, ending with Sammy and KO winning. One of the greatest tag team matches in the history of WrestleMania. Uh, one of the great feel-good moments. It's just, it speaks for itself. Night two, Brock versus Omos. Was, it, was, it was exactly what you wanted it to be. Brock wins. We saw the F5. We saw Suplex City. All good. Ronda and Shayna. Uh, quick victory which is what it should have been in that women's showcase. Gunther defeating Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. That was a match. And that's one of those matches where it's like they've just upped it and upped it and upped it every time they've been up to the plate to the point where it's like expectations would lead us to be in this place where they can't possibly match them. And then they match them and then they beat them. I thought, I I, I think they're, they're, Sheamus, there's this, there's this, there's this undercurrent of support for Sheamus, and I'm there. I want to see Sheamus win the Intercontinental Championship. I don't want to see Gunther lose the Intercontinental Championship. I think that if Cody was going to beat Roman Reigns, then Gunther losing that match would make sense because Cody versus Gunther, it just has money all over it. I don't want to see Roman versus Gunther. 
Because again, we talk about fighting from beneath. Gunther should never fight from beneath. Gunther should be that great, looming, overwhelming threat. And Gunther is not that threat to, to Roman, but he could be to Cody. So in the meantime, just have Gunther hold that Intercontinental title hostage and give me some of those insanely hard-hitting fights. Bianca and Asuka, uh, I think, uh, was another one that was delivered, over-delivered, even better than people expected it to be, especially that finish with Bianca. I mean, like, one arm squatting Asuka up in the air. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I mean, I feel like the middle of the show got a little snake bit, you know? Um, I will tell you, when here come the money, here comes the money played, the place went nuts. The place went crazy. Shane McMahon might be the king of returns. Nobody hides a return like Shane McMahon. Shane McMahon is real good at leaving the WWE and convincing everybody that he's quit the business and he will never be back. And then he comes back on a day that nobody expected him to and you go, I can't believe it. And there's just something about that music and the shimmying and stuff that Shane McMahon, ageless as he is, just comes out in that baseball jersey and you're happy to see him. I don't know how Shane McMahon went from like being the kid. Like he was Vince McMahon's son. It was like, we're putting him in matches because he shouldn't be in matches to now it's like, oh no, he won the best wrestler in the world tournament. If you remember, he's as good as it gets. Um, but poor Shane, that's, that's where they started having to do some recovery. Shane, 30 seconds into this impromptu match with the Miz, apparently tears his quad, which is what we heard at the, at the, from Triple H at the post-WrestleMania press conference, that that was the injury. Shane tears his quad. He's laying down in the middle of the ring, in the middle of WrestleMania, the worst possible time for that to happen. And it's just these McMahons. I guess they have very terrible quads. They must have thin quads. I don't know. Because the dad is going to Royal Rumble tearing quads. Now Shane's going to WrestleMania tearing quads. It's the injury that Vince got when he slid into the Royal Rumble ring all those years ago. Snoop Dogg coming in and calling a pure audible like there was no plan for Snoop Dogg to deliver a people's elbow and pin the Miz it's just just instinct kicked in I'm sure the referee you know let Snoop know hey we need you here bud but Snoop throwing his glasses out in the crowd dropping the people's elbow and the Miz being there to just do business okay I was supposed to get beat by Pat McAfee and Shane McMahon now I guess I'll get beat by Snoop Dogg it was only 12 years ago, 13, 12 years ago that The Miz went to WrestleMania as the WWE champion, and now he's being beaten by Snoop Dogg. I mean, God bless The Miz. That's the type of soldier that you want. Um, and then I felt bad for Edge and the Demon, Brood Edge, which I didn't know the name was Brood Edge. Like, I thought that was like the description. Like, it's like Edge from the Brood. It's like, oh, yeah, that's Brood Edge. But then it went up on the Titan Tron, so it was like, this is Brood Edge. And I was like, oh, is that his first name? I didn't, I thought it was just, oh, okay. How's it going? Would I call him Brood or Mr. Edge? I'd, okay, but Brood Edge comes out. And I mean, the entrances on, in this match were phenomenal. Edge with the helmet on, Slayer's playing, the wings come out. But I love that Edge does this. Every time, because he did this at SummerSlam last year, every time Edge has like a special entrance, it's only half an entrance. 
I don't know if it's Edge's call or if it's Hunter's call or if mustachioed Vince McMahon is making the calls. I don't know. But somebody goes, we still need, you think you know me. Whoever's making the call is brilliant because 80,000 people were in that stadium going, on this day, I see clearly. And Edge was lost in it. You could see him in that hell in a cell. I get to Finn Balor, and then I want, remind me to say something about hell in a cell. So, then Finn Balor comes out as the demon. People were wondering, will he be red? Will he be purple? Gotcha. Red with purple trim. Bet you didn't see that one coming. I just felt bad that, like, the match had to be paused because Finn had this huge gash in his head, and he Instagrammed a photo of it, and it is absolutely disgusting. But there is something ironic about the fact that we're now pausing Hell in a Cell matches because we don't have too much blood. It was just real tough for those guys because they had to stop the match so that Finn's head could get fixed, which completely slowed the momentum down. And then just as they started to pick it back up, a sponsor thing came up and the whole arena stadium started booing the sponsors at some point <laughs> at WrestleMania, which was, I, don't, I mean, it's kind of hilarious. Uh, but they did get it back because Finn Balor and Edge are about as good as it gets. And what I wanted to say about that Hell in a Cell, I, again, I want to go back to whoever's making these calls because even more, I'm even more happy than I am that the Demon's back. I'm, I'm happier than the fact that, uh, uh, that Hell in a Cell is no longer a pay-per-view. The headline here, is that it's back to being silver. Oh, thank God. It's not red anymore. I loathed the red Hell in a Cell. And I think I've talked about it before, the way it looked like a toy. It just, it didn't look dangerous anymore. It didn't look like you were getting thrown into a fence on the schoolyard. It didn't look like, like it wasn't realistic. It wasn't relatable. Because I've never seen a red fence before. It's like a green duck. I've never seen it. You know, I'm or a blue duck. I've probably seen green ducks before. Um, but yeah, so I was real happy that the regular, traditional, silver, metallic Hell in a Cell came back. Um, and glad that those guys were able to pick it up uh, and, and finish strong. And then we had our main event, which I talked about at length already. Uh, it was... To me, and people go like, what's better, night one or night two? I mean, I think as a whole, right? Because you had hiccups. You didn't have any hiccups in night one. The Shane McMahon hiccup and the Finn Balor injury hiccup, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be something about night two. But also, what do you like? What do you like? Do you like when they're fucking with you? <laughs> or do you like just having a nice time? Do you like a popcorn movie? Or do you like a movie where you kind of leave feeling, like, bad? There are some movies that you leave and then, like, everybody dies and you feel bad. But it's a real good movie. It's a really well-told story. But you don't feel good. You feel like your faith in humanity might be broken. That's night two. Some people like movies where it's, like, a very clear-cut act one, act two, act three. And at act three, the good guy wins and everybody's happy. That's night one. So the idea that we're walking around saying what's better, night one or night two, I mean, as a wrestling fan, what's better when you get the story that you've been waiting to just pay off exactly how you want it to pay off 
or you have this moment that you're going, what the hell is going on? Whichever one was your preference, that's the night of WrestleMania that I think you'll like better. Um, Beyond WrestleMania itself, it was an incredible week out here in Los Angeles. Uh, I went to Wale Mania, which I enjoyed way more than I thought I would enjoy. Uh, it was incredible. I was uh, I was a, a part of the Busted Open show who was out here in Los Angeles doing shows. We talked to like uh, Braun Breaker, L.A. Knight, Johnny Gargano. Speaking of Johnny Gargano, I did a ton of stuff with him and the Mattel Elite Squad. We did a panel on Friday night. I think there's an Elite Squad video from the booth that either has gone up or will go up very, very soon. Uh, so check that out on the WWE's YouTube channel. And of course... Uh, everybody that turned up for Not Sam Mania uh, on Wednesday night here in L.A., I thank you. The people at the Comedy Store were just incredible. And I'm not just saying that because they're in the room with me right now. I actually believe it. And you know that, that I enjoyed myself because here I am days later and I'm recording this podcast still in the haunted comedy store podcast studio so it was really really great it was uh we had not only did we have all of our announced guests showed up which i overbooked it because not only just because it's wrestling but just because i just i i i worry right so so you never know at the last minute if something's going to come up somebody's not going to be able to make it but everybody that said they would be there was there we're talking uh not only was uh kathy kelly there to co-host and mike rome was there to give everybody huge WrestleMania-level, over-the-top introductions. But uh, we also had as a surprise Chris Van Vliet from YouTube. You know Chris Van Vliet. He was there to moderate the Q&A. We had uh, 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 X-Pac, Dolph Ziggler, Baron Corbin, Medusa, who had heat with Baron Corbin that I didn't know about and made for some very kind of weird, tense moments in the beginning. But we got past it. I think it ended up being okay. We had Medusa. Uh, you had Will Sasso, who was just busting out. First, I like I was just going to bring him on and talk about how he actually had like a match with Bret Hart, but he was just busting out. Wrestling impression after wrestling impression. Uh, it was great. And then as a surprise... Because I didn't even know they were coming until day of. They just, Legato del Fantasma, Joaquin Wilde, and, and Santos Escobar. Oh, I'm sorry. They were Legato, to, to be fair, they were Legato del Fantasma. We actually got, this is why you got to come to my live events. We got the last appearance of Legato del Fantasma in history. Because right after Not Sam Mania, they went to WrestleMania SmackDown. And they became the LWO. They brought back the LWO. We had the LWO minus L Dandy at our show at the Comedy Store. So it was great. Uh, we were running video on the whole thing. So Hot Dog's got to edit it, which means it should be up within uh, nine months. He said he con he considers all his videos his children. And that's why they take nine months to make. And it's annoying, but, it, I mean, they come out good. So it should be up uh, before too long, but it was, a, it was a great time. And I'm glad all, all of you that came out for it, and there were a lot of you, uh, I really appreciate you guys coming out. And for, uh, if you can see the video of this, Trophy Smack for making the Not Sam Last Professional Broadcaster Championship title, which was presented to me by the boys at the Comedy Store Wrestling Podcast. 
Uh, and I think Medusa was eyeing it to try to throw it out, but she saw it, realized it was so beautiful that she could never, she could never with the Not Sam title. So we'll find a place for that in the Not Sam studio when we're back in New York. Um, how long is Roman Reigns going to hold the WWE Championship? I don't think we're talking a thousand days, right? We got to look at the real records. If Roman's going to be the greatest of all time, what is Bruno San Martino's record? I think 12 years. I think that's what we're looking at with Roman Reigns. Who would have thought that in the modern era we could have a champion? But if I told you Roman Reigns is going to be the champion for 12 years, yesterday you probably would have been like, that's ridiculous. That'll never happen. Today, after WrestleMania, after what we saw happen with Cody Rhodes, if I told you Roman Reigns was going to be champion for 12 years, Hato, would you believe that Roman Reigns is going to be champion for 12 years? He said maybe. Yeah, he maybe. You, you can't rule it out anymore, which is why we're just going to be along for the ride. Um, I did get a couple of emails. I'm not reading any emails that I got before WrestleMania because the entire world of wrestling has changed since WrestleMania. But this one I got like, I, I love that I was getting emails right after WrestleMania. Uh, that lets you know how much people care about this stuff. Tim says, WWE made the right choice to beat Cody. Whoa, that's a little harsh, Tim. I'm much more interested to see what happens after a Roman victory that no one expected. That's, there is something that's at least short-term true about that. That, there's every, what well, look, we were going to tune into Raw tomorrow night anyway, so I guess what, you know. Although Cody's not going to be able to say, so what do you want to talk about with like that sort of cocky attitude? It's going to be more like, so what do you want to talk about? You're going to be so bummed. Uh, uh, Tim says, I will say, I thought Cody would at least get a win by DQ to parallel the Dusty storyline. So that was cold. But overall, this means more Roman, more Cody, more great stories to come, even if we missed out on one great moment. And I think that's, look, I get what you're saying, Tim, about the Dusty DQ, but if you had ended WrestleMania on Cody winning that match by DQ, it would have been worse than Lex Luger winning SummerSlam 93 by countout and everybody hoisting him up on his shoulders as if he's won anything. It would have been horrendous if Cody had won by DQ. It's much better that Cody got just beat by Roman Reigns, and that was that. What's next is, is the question. I mean, you're, the end of your email uh, uh, got me. It was, uh, it means uh, more Roman, more Cody, more great stories to come, even if we missed out on one great moment. The Roman story has cost us moments. It cost us Drew. It cost us Sammy. It cost us the Cody moment at WrestleMania. But ultimately, when we talk about this bloodline story, so far it's been worth sacrificing those moments. Will it continue to be worth sacrificing those moments? Only time will tell. I'm glad that you're spending that time with me. I hope you... Oh, yeah, Seems like Endeavor might be buying WWE. But in bigger news, Roman beat Cody. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anything about that, right? Like, obviously, that's big news for a wrestling podcast. But I'm assuming by the th even by the time this podcast comes out, there'll be much bigger news on that. This is a post-WrestleMania podcast. So maybe we'll do something later in the week. Maybe we'll do something next week where we focus more on that. Um, I will say as far as potential suitors go, 
that seems like a good one. There are there are worse, I'll say. Hey, how about that, huh? Controversy, baby. Thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you enjoyed WrestleMania weekend as much as I did. Can't wait to see what happens on Raw. I will see you guys very, very soon. Don't forget, subscribe to the YouTube channel for free, youtube.com slash notsamwrestling. And if you want to hear even more content, patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. Become a Not Sam show, and I'll talk to you again soon.